fun video this week. We're going to be talking about cash in a business, what to do with cash in a business. And yeah, we're going to talk about money laundering. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. So this week I have a, a fun question. It was submitted uh, through Instagram. Uh, I have learned that you can send messages through Instagram. Uh, it's from Sam in the UK. Let me let me read what he writes. He says, what do you do with cash in a business? We get lots of cash and the bank charges us to deposit it. And if we spend it on inventory, we can't reclaim the VAT. It's the sales tax regimen they have over there. Accepting card payments costs us money as well. It's a pretty common issue. Not sure what to do with all the cash outside of buying personal assets or laundering it. And I don't know how to do that. Okay. So for those people who don't kind of get the gist of what Sam is talking about here is he's got a, a, a retail type business and a lot of people are spending cash, meaning actual paper currency um, versus a cash business, which just means people pay at the time of receiving the, the service or delivery. They might be using a credit card or cash or check or, or what have you. So the notes, right? So let's say a hundred, this is in the UK. So a hundred pounds comes in. If Sam takes that hundred pounds down to the bank, they're going to charge him a handling fee for processing the deposit, which is common here in Canada too. And in other places around the world. So, if the business accepts credit cards, they're going to pay a discount fee to the credit card company. That's one of the ways that Visa, MasterCard, American Express make money. If the bill is $100, someone pays with a card, the merchant might only get 98. And so there's a discount there. If you pay with cash, they get, you know, the, the merchant gets the money, but then the bank might charge them 1% of the cash deposited in order to process that. So what Sam is saying is, what do I do with this cash because I don't want to pay that fee? And then he starts talking about, you know, buying personal assets. So what he's also talking about is not declaring part of the revenue of his business. So somebody pays you money instead of recording it as a sale. Sam is saying, I'm going to take that money. I'm going to go buy myself a new pair of sneakers. Right. And so when that happens, what are we realistically talking about? We're talking about a business whose financial statements and tax returns are going to depart from the reality of what is going on in the business. So if the sneakers cost $100, you took the money out of the till and you bought them, the revenue or total sales of the business is going to be lower by $100. And the profit, the net income of the business is going to be lower by a full $100 too, because essentially $100 has been stolen from the business, which means that two problems in Sam's case. Number one he is now underreporting the profitability of his business, which means that he's crossed the line with the tax authorities in the UK. He's not properly declaring the full income and then ergo the taxes he owes on the income of his business. But secondly, in the UK, the value added tax is built into the price that you see for things. So that VAT tax is the is crown money. He's, you know, 
taken part of the money that it actually belongs to the crown and he's put it in his pocket or he's bought sneakers with it instead of submitting it to the government. So there's two different taxation infractions that have happened when he does this. So what's my advice? My advice is avoid jail. Like, don't be doing this. And, and people get into philosophical questions about whether or not, you know, governments should be taxing people and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, you're talking about people who have the ability to throw you in jail. So don't do that. Um, if you do choose to have undeclared revenue in your business and you do choose to remove cash from your business for your own purposes, here's the other cost that most people don't consider when they're doing this kind of activity is that now you've got a paper trail, tax returns, et cetera, that show you have a business that's less profitable than it really is. We talk about financial normalization on this channel where you go and you do add backs and you make adjustments. And one of the adjustments that gets made sometimes is, is people will say, I don't declare all the revenue. Well, if you make that adjustment to your normalized statement then show that to a potential business buyer, of course, the very first thing they're going to say is prove it prove that you don't declare all the money, right? Show me that you don't. And if there is no proper paper trail of all the money that's being handled in the business, then it's going to be difficult for you to do it. Some buyers will look at that situation and say, oh my God, I can't trust anything. I don't want anything to do with this. Other buyers will look at that situation in a much more opportunistic kind of fashion. They're going to look at that business and say, well, Mr. Seller, um, you may or may not have done that. I don't know for sure, and you can't prove it. But what we do know is that your business's profits are lower now, and what you've done is you've made your business unbankable. Now the banker won't make me a loan to buy your business because he says that there's not enough profits to make payments on the loan. So if you want to sell me your business, you're going to have to finance more of it. And this is the scenario that I've seen over and over again in all the different small retail type businesses that I've helped to sell where there's been this kind of, you know, cash shenanigans going on where the seller may end up being able to sell the business, but not under the terms that they want. They're going to end up in a doing a transaction where they have to foot more of the bill. They have to finance more of the deal because bankers won't do the financing and because the buyer is less confident in what they're being shown. And one of the best ways to give a buyer confidence that what you're telling them is true is by saying, okay, I'll put my money where my mouth is by financing the transaction and will make the note subject to offset in the case that I've made a material misrepresentation. Meaning that if the sales really aren't there, you get to offset your losses against what you owe me. And so now, Sam, you're in a situation where maybe you've had some tax advantages over the years by not paying your full tax bill. But now when you come when it comes time to sell, you're not going to get as big a payment on closing day. You are now going to have to finance the buyer. And if you sell it to the wrong person who mismanages the business or they themselves start to do some kind of shenanigans where they don't report all the revenue to you, then maybe you don't even end up collecting on entirely on the note that you have established for the sale of the business. So my advice to every business owner is to try to have as transparent a set of records as you can so that you can absolutely demonstrate what's going on in the business, 
not only to the seller, but to the sellers or not to the buyer rather, but to the buyer's banker so that they can get as big a bank loan as possible. Now, you brought up the topic of money laundering. Let's talk about money laundering. Uh, in fact, there's a fun video I did years ago, over seven years ago, um, called The Paving Contractor versus the Drug Dealers that talks about money laundering. I'll put a, a link to it here. Um, so money laundering is when people who do crime, like drug dealers or, or et cetera, um, have a bunch of profit and they're trying to make it legal. And, and what they actually are doing is the opposite of what you're suggesting, Sam. Um, they would look for a business that handles a lot of cash, like your business, and they would take their illegal cash and put it into the business, and then they would take it down to the bank and declare it as, as revenues and profits so that they could pay taxes on it, so that they would then have this legal money stream that they could use for other things without you know attracting suspicion of the police. So it's not about avoiding taxes. It's about taking, you know, dirty money and making it into taxed income that could then be invested in real estate or something. So it's not quite the same thing. And, you know, here's the good thing, Sam, is that you don't need to engage in money laundering. All you really need to do is pay the, the bill that the bank's going to charge you for handling the cash. And, you know, yeah, I get it. I, I've, I worked in the credit card industry for a while for with American Express. I understand that as a business owner, you don't like the idea that you either have to pay a discount to the credit card company or pay a fee to the bank to handle the cash. It doesn't seem fair. But what you're missing is that there is a relationship not just between your customer and you. The relationships are triangular. So the customer has a relationship with, for example, American Express or their bank that issues a credit card, Visa, MasterCard, and you. There's a, there's a, a triangle there. When I use my American Express card to buy something, it makes me feel more confident in the transaction because I know that my interests in the deal are protected by American Express. If there's a problem with the transaction or anything like that, I can go complain to Amex if I'm not happy with the product or service that I bought, right? And so that will make me as a happy Amex cardholder more willing to do a transaction with someone who accepts American Express versus someone who doesn't because I personally like my Amex card, right? Other people are going to like their visas or their MasterCards. So if the customer sees value in using those cards, whether they're financing the transaction over a long period of time, you know, buying something expensive, or whether they just have a hard time saving for vacation and they want to use a card that earns them airline points so they can get a, a free flight at some point down in the future, there's value there for the customer in using the card. As a merchant, make your customers happy no matter what they want to do. Don't worry about whether or not there's going to be a cost to accepting the card. Just work that cost into your overall cost structure so that when a customer says, you know, oh, well, can I use my card? How do I pay? Just nod and smile and say, we welcome whatever method of payment you want to make. We're here to make you happy, Mr. Customer. And that is the foundation of a solid business. I've had so many people over the years say to me, oh, we don't take that card, or I won't take that card, or I'm going to charge you more if you want to pay with a credit card. The very first thing it makes me think is, oh, I'm sorry to have been an imposition on you. I'm sorry that I'm putting you out 
trying to do business with you. It doesn't make me happy as a consumer. And, and a lot of the times I'll go looking for someone else to do business with next time. I won't go back to the same person that made me feel kind of weird because I wanted to charge the transaction onto my credit card. Anyway, Sam, great question. I know that there are people out there who are in businesses that handle a lot of cash. And I think it's a great topic to be talked about openly. Um, if you're out there and you're watching this and you're in a cash business, if you want to have the strongest possible exit, just record it all, run your business above board and do things the way they're supposed to be done. You'll avoid trouble with the tax man or with anyone who might want to throw you in jail and you'll be able to sell your business under the best terms. And with that, we'll see you next week. Talk to you later. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and the online courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out about how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, etc. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go out to Jeff Alpaw Customs for being my tailor. Men all around the world can look dangerous, just like me, with the help of Jeff Alpaw Customs. JeffAlpaw.com. Use the code DCB10 to save. They handle multiple currencies and ship anywhere you happen to be.